Hey everyone, welcome back to Strong Reception with me, Eli James. I'm so glad you joined me today. We have a very special election-themed episode. On September 29th, approximately 100,000 voters in New York City, including me, received absentee ballots that were all kinds of wrong. The city's Board of Elections sent the wrong return envelopes with these ballots, envelopes that showed someone else's name and address. Besides sparking anger and confusion in the electorate, it led to fears that people might use these incorrect return envelopes without noticing that someone else's name was on it and thus have their absentee votes discounted. On Tuesday, the board's executive director, Mike Ryan, announced that a new batch of 100,000 corrected absentee ballots were going out in the mail and should reach voters starting October 9th. He urged voters not to use the first batch of ballots they were sent. They should wait for the new batch to come, which should be distinguished by a red stripe on the envelope. Meanwhile, Mike Ryan has blamed the printing company the board hired in a $4.6 million no-bid contract for the massive printing gaffe. The printing company, Phoenix Graphics, said they experienced a printer problem and have agreed to pay for the printing of the new corrected ballots. They have been allowed to do this in spite of also failing to update their software in the run-up to the flawed print run, which they said led to them having no record of who was sent erroneous ballots. The city and state's board of elections has a history of election mismanagement fails, and here to help me understand this latest one and what the problem at the board seems to be is Sarah Goff, Deputy Director at Common Cause New York, a good governance group that has worked hard to bring more fairness and transparency and wider participation in New York's historically troubled election system. Sarah, thanks for joining me. Happy to be here. Thanks for having me. Okay. So before I I ask my first question, I just want to give a little rundown of sort of New York City Board of Elections' uh, greatest election fail hits here, uh, just from the last few years. Um, 2017, New York City Board of Elections was found guilty of illegally purging roughly 200,000 voter names in the run-up to the 2016 presidential primaries, which resulted in a consent decree that they've sort of followed, sort of not. Uh, 2018 midterm general elections, there were lines around the block in New York, people waiting for hours in the rain, jammed machines, people giving up, people told flagrantly wrong things by polling staff and volunteers. Um, 2019, New York City Board of Elections for the first time ever published the names, addresses, and party affiliations of all registered voters in the city on its website, causing alarm for those concerned about privacy. Uh, January 2020, a federal judge found that the New York State Board of Elections had violated the Constitution and the National Voter Registration Act by rendering hundreds of thousands of voters in the state inactive based on post office errors. And in my opinion, the total mishandling of the COVID crisis when it came to interpreting the rules around signature requirements uh, on petitions. So given the overwhelming number of ballots requested during this pandemic, is this latest printing error an understandable slip up? Or is this just one more example of the Board of Elections baffling incompetence and lack of accountability in managing the city's elections? Yeah. So um, I think for once, as it very specifically pertains to the, and it only really impacted seemingly Brooklyn voters, Mm -hmm. thank goodness, um, this was a vendor error. And while, you know, that response is deeply unsatisfying to those of us who have worked very hard to strengthen 
our elections and expand voters' rights in a state and city that is notorious for not only poorly run elections, but incredibly low voter turnout, which the two are inherently married, right? I think one begets the other. Um, It's so frustrating. It's incredibly Mm. frustrating. And I think part of the issue here is that what normally happens is that the BOE, at least in New York City, excuse me, um, prints in-house. But because of the increased volume, they very quickly had to turn to a printer, mm-hmm. one that has run, you know, absentee ballot printing for other municipalities for seemingly several <clears throat> years, um, sort of had no good options right. but to go with an outside vendor. And the vendor screwed up. And, you know, I think it's one of those situations where I am personally reluctant to lay the entirety of the blame on the boards of elections in this very specific instance. Okay. Um, But, you know, from a process perspective, we hope that moving forward now that unfortunately, you know, the pandemic seems like it is here to stay and this is the new normal for the foreseeable future. um, There will be course corrections moving forward as Mm -hmm. we head into 2021. Okay. Uh, I believe it's also worth noting that um, the New York City Board of Elections did not deliver by a September 20th deadline. They didn't deliver a report to the governor's office about um, their staffing needs. Correct. Um, You know, to be frank, this has been an ongoing issue with boards of elections kind of operating as a rogue agency that seems Mm. to be accountable to no one. Um, And that is not specific to New York City, but just a statewide culture issue. And so, you know, we saw that they missed the deadline. We were not surprised. I think, you know, we are picking our battles about where we want to wage war with the board of elections. And I think at this point, given how close we are to the election, and the fact that early voting starts in almost two weeks. Mm-hmm. October most, 24th, right? October 24th, Saturday, October 24th, statewide. Hours will vary across the state. Um, New York City is one of the, I, actually, at this point, they are the only municipality in New York where you have an assigned early voting location. Okay. So, whole separate conversation. Um, right. But we are focused on ensuring that voters know that they have options. Mm -hmm. Um, and this, you know, latest Brooklyn screw up is not confidence inspiring. And like I said, incredibly frustrating. And so we are just focused on telling voters that they have options. They can vote in person or they can vote absentee. And we want to instill confidence in our elections and the results. Right. Yeah. Um, but I guess, you know, just when I look at that rundown that I that I went through, and that doesn't even cover everything, you know, the many lawsuits that the Board of Elections has tallied up, both at the state level and the city level, and, you know, kicking voters off the voter rolls for no reason. And, you know, and now on top of it, we have the coronavirus pandemic, which is scaring the daylights out of everybody. And now there's all this rhetoric out there from from Trump and the Republicans saying voting by mail is, 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 uh, is going to... Uh, you know, result in people losing their votes. So in a situation like this, how can people who don't want to show up at a polling place out of safety concerns, how can they be confident that their vote is going to count? 
Yeah. So I think for us, the core message is don't wait. Hmm. If you want to vote absentee, if you haven't requested your absentee ballot, do it now. Okay. Because there are two potential fail points in the absentee voting process. One is that there is a, what we would call like a voter error, right? So what we frequently see, and this is one of the reasons that we have very high rejection rates historically for absentee ballots, is that voters forget to sign or date what is called the smaller oath envelope. Right. And that is how the absentee ballot, that's that's the security measure, right? Like mm-hmm. your vote is still, when you vote absentee, it is a secret ballot. So anything that is like personally identifiable and the way that they check to make sure you are a registered voter and eligible to vote and that you are only voting once is through signature verification. And if you don't sign, they can't verify. Mm -hmm. The good news for voters this year is that we now finally have a process in place to course correct if there's any issues with your absentee ballot. Again, one of the reasons why our rejection rates were so high was because by state law, you had no recourse. If a board of elections got a ballot with uh, a missing signature or date, you were quite frankly, like out of luck. They were not required to do anything and they frequently did not Mm. because of a recent change in state election law boards are now required. And like, this is just like such a common sense thing that it's kind of appalling that it was not in place before. Mm. Um, But If there is any kind of issue with your absentee ballot, boards are now required to contact you. You miss a signature or it doesn't match with the signature they have on file or you're missing a date. They are now required by law to contact you by phone, email, or via mail. And it'll give you the opportunity, you being the voter, to fix any issues. And so that's why we're stressing don't wait. Right. If they find an issue and they contact that voter and it, you know, because of the sheer volume this time, I believe they said they send out something like 650,000 absentee ballots for this general election, Mm -hmm. Um, you know, and it happens to be after election day. Will they, will they make time for that course correction after election day? Yes, they should. Okay. Um, But in part, again, like, one of the reasons why we're saying don't wait, like, <laughs> mm-hmm. there will be a lot of energy from a Board of Elections perspective to finalizing the count. So, like, the sooner mm-hmm. you get in your absentee ballot and there are, are, are any issues, the more time you will be afforded to course correct. The other thing I would want to remind folks is that even if you request an absentee ballot, mail it back and the Board of Elections receives it, you can always vote in person. And your in-person vote will always override yeah. your absentee ballot. Yeah. Right? Now, that doesn't do you any good if you're one of those folks who fall into the scenario in which it's after Election Day. Right? There are no more in-person voting options. Mm-hmm. But again... That is your other option. Right. And I believe you can also drop off your absentee ballot uh, at a polling place rather than mailing it. Is that correct? Yeah. So any early voting site and any election day poll site will serve as absentee ballot drop off locations. And the good news is that you can drop off your absentee ballot at any early voting site and any election day poll site. It doesn't have to be the one that's assigned to you. Mm-hmm. So if you work in Manhattan and you're in the city and there's another, you know, a poll site around the corner, 
drop off your absentee ballot there. Mm. There will not be this kind of like restriction that you see for in-person voting um, for absentee ballot drop off. And we think that flexibility is ideal for a scenario in which we aren't necessarily traveling very far from home. The Mm. other absentee ballot drop point is your local board of elections. If you want to drop it off in person before actual uh, voting starts. Right. Okay, great. And I'm glad you, uh, reminded folks about, uh, signing the oath envelope, which was, uh, in the, especially in the primary, the June primary, uh, this year, it was very easy to miss. Mm-hmm. It wasn't, it wasn't a lot of direction pointing people to, Hey, you have to sign this line here. Yeah. And, you know, to the board's credit, and this actually came out of assembly member Rodney Bichot's office, there is a redesign of the oath envelope where there's now, there should be a giant red X. It sounds like such a small thing, but any kind of visual cue to remind voters to sign and so that they can see it um, is now part of state law. It's a huge thing. Yeah. I mean, visual design of forms and ballots are so huge. I had my 2018 midterm vote thrown away because I missed a line on my affidavit ballot that I have to had to fill out because I just moved. And um, I didn't know until a month after the election that I had missed some line that said party enrollment. I, I hit, checked another line that said something else about party. And I missed this other line that was print, printed in a smaller font. So these, yeah, design is huge. Yeah. Yeah. And like I said, you know, to um, the state legislature and the board's credit, they are aware that this is an ongoing issue. They are partnering with um, the Center for Civic Design on a complete overhaul of the absentee ballot envelope. Obviously, there wasn't enough time to do it this year, but that Mm -hmm. is a longer term project on how do we make this as easy as possible for voters to like not only successfully fill out their ballot, but make sure their vote is counted when they sign and date the back of that oath envelope. Mm -hmm. Um, Because again, we want to empower voters and we want to instill confidence that their vote will be counted. I want to come back to the Board of Elections quickly. Um, You know, in the coverage of this latest story about the uh, misprinted ballots, um, there's an article in The City I was reading uh, from September 30th that said that Governor Cuomo has no control over the New York City Board of Elections, and yet Mayor de Blasio has also stated that he has no control over the New York City Board of Elections. So could you explain who oversees the New York City Board of Elections? Is it a state-run agency? Is it a city-run agency? Or is it neither? Yeah, I, th- this conversation obviously like uh, is super reminiscent of who controls the MTA, mm. but maybe slightly less fraught for different reasons. Yeah, okay. um, or more fraught for others. Uh, anyway, no. yeah, unclear. Vital to the functioning of our city and democracy. Yeah. Um, so boards of elections, and I am just talking universally, not just city. These are state agencies. Even though they are, we have what's called a bottom-up system where we have a diffuse, locally-run boards of elections. And so they are housed within a county, Mm -hmm. if you are anywhere but New York City, because obviously we are consolidated into sort of one overarching governance structure, the five boards of elections in New York City operate as one entity. In, in essence, for each um, of the five boroughs, there's a board of elections. Correct. 
Correct. But they, they function as one unit, right? right. Um, again, like much of the city, even though it is five counties, we operate as one municipality mm-hmm. in that sense. Um, so it mirrors that structure. But these are inherently state agencies. State election law governs the rules and procedures that every board of elections has to follow. The city can only truly tinker at the margins in terms of changing election law. So any change in how we vote and how we register voters, uh, how we count ballots, the petitioning process, that's all done at the state level. So these are truly state agencies. So, uh, you know, if if we're going to, like, evaluate the truthfulness of these statements, de Blasio is right. These are state agencies. Uh, Governor Cuomo, again, to give him the benefit of the doubt, um, I think a large part of the frustration that folks are seeing play out publicly in this instance is that, to your point earlier, even though these are technically state-run agencies and subject to state election law, they frequently ignore both of those things. And so they blew mm. past the staffing deadline. Um, but, you know, when we were in the height of the pandemic in New York City, all of the changes that we saw in June were a function of executive order. These mm-hmm. were not done at the gubernatorial level. These were not a function of executive orders issued by the mayor, because the mayor truly does not have any control over how our elections are run. All of that has to come from the state, hmm. either through executive order or through state election law. Hmm. So when you say that um, the city, the mayor's office can sort of tinker at the margins with election procedures in the city, what, what would be an example of that? Yeah, I think the big one that generally comes to mind and the one that is certainly very public facing is the issue of providing translators at poll sites. So by federal law um, and ensuing state law, there are, I believe, six required languages um, that every county has to provide translations for. So like Spanish is an obvious one. Mm -hmm. That is under mandate from federal and state law, that there has to be Spanish translation services um, for residents of New York, and that is a statewide mandate. Mm-hmm. But when it comes to New York City, what they have done to limited success, and they being, I am referring to the mayor's office, um, what they have done to limited success, because there is this like ridiculous power struggle between the New York City Board of Elections and New York City government, mm-hmm. is that given that we have such a rich diversity of residents and therefore spoken languages, the city has added additional, or at least has tried to add additional languages that are required um, in terms of what should be provided for translation services. So that is Yiddish, that is Russian, Vietnamese, other languages that are not provided um, guarantees under either federal or state election law. Um, Now, what is like functionally happened is that the city board has said, well, you know, we're governed by state law, so we don't have to do this. Right. And (sighs) yeah, exactly. That size specifically. (laughs) Um, But, you know, and this is what I mean by tinkering at the margins is that they are trying to improve the voter experience, enfranchise more voters by providing these additional translation services that are not covered under state or federal law. And the Board of Elections has basically said, we don't have to do that 
Um, mm. And functionally, what has what that means like during in-person voting is that sometimes there are translators, but they have to stay outside of polling locations because the city board does not recognize them as official election workers and it is considered electioneering. And so mm. they have to stay 100 feet outside of a poll site. And should they perhaps be able to like find voters who need translation services, it's really only like a limited amount of help they can provide because they're not allowed in polling location. Hmm. And can't help with ballot translation, which uh, is an ongoing issue. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Um, I know we have to wrap up soon, so I just want to throw in one more question, if that's okay. Sure. Um, so, you know, I know there's there's so many factors that go into the governance of our city's Board of Elections, and, and we talked about how it is a state agency that is administered by the State Board of Elections. The, the sort of frequency of errors and negligence coming out of our city board, is it, is it the current leadership? Um, Mike Ryan, the executive director, is it, you know, the fact that all 10 of our city election commissioners are appointed by the local Democratic and Republican Party leaders, um, making it what they call a bipartisan agency, bipartisan commission, when I sort of tend to think, well, why can't it just be nonpartisan? Why can't they, why can't the parties have nothing to do with our board of elections? Is What would you think is the biggest thing that needs to change at the board to allow for fairer elections. Yeah. So this is, again, going back to state election law, to your point, you know, this is not a New York City problem. This is a function of state election law. This is by design. Hmm. Um, And that's why you see so much variance in election administration in New York statewide, right? Some are great. We have New York City, (laughs) which is not great. Hmm. Um, What's a great one? I'm just curious. So um, we always like to refer to Onondaga County, which includes um, uh, Buffalo. It's upstate. Okay. But again, it's the same governance structure where it is a bipartisan commission system, right? So appointed by Democratic Party chairs in the local counties. Yeah. Um, and it truly is a function of local county ideology, I would say, in terms of how we think about elections and how we want them to run. So we're truly, in some ways, at the mercy of local political county chairs. And that is a function of our state election law. Um, As far as common cause is concerned, our view is that we need what we would call professionalized election administration. So we want to strip control out of party chair hands. Because, Mm -hmm. you know, as you said, the commissioners are appointed by the county chairs who typically have very partisan and very political interests in one outcome or another. And I think, you know, this is not a function of Mike Ryan specifically. Um, This is a function of our state election law, and it is designed to be in many ways a regressive system that does not really serve the interest of the voters, but truly serves in many ways the interest of the political parties. And so you see that play out in every aspect, right? It's not just voters that suffer. Mm -hmm. Candidates uh, Candidates who are running in local elections are thrown off the ballot during the petitioning process because, um, you know, county board chairs, political 
county board chairs don't like that candidate and they yep. have their preferred candidate. And so it's. Yep. That happened in my city council race. Sorry. Uh, that happened in uh, council district 37 where I live in, in Brooklyn um, mm-hmm. during COVID when there was a lot of fear and confusion over how many signatures to get. Um, the head of the Democratic Party in Brooklyn, Rodney Spichat, just saying she definitely pushed for um, bumping everyone but her handpicked candidate off the ballot. Yep. And, you know, it, that is, I am sad to say, not a unique case. It happens mm-hmm. all the time, every election cycle. Mm-hmm. And so the structure that is set up truly, in many ways, serves the needs of local political parties over the voter. And in our mind, again, we are a nonpartisan organization. Um, and I think everyone could basically essentially agree that one of the big failures of our elections, and this is not just true in New York, um, but really an issue nationally is that it seems to serve the interests of entrenched political parties and very specific special interests, right? This is sort of what Common Cause was founded on as mm-hmm. a guiding principle to our work is to really empower individual voters and Americans to reclaim who our democracy works for. Mm-hmm. And you can see that play out election after election. excuse me, in New York City and New York State, because our political parties control our boards of elections. Mm. And so in some ways, this is very intentional in how um, our elections work and who our elections work for and who they don't work for. And frequently in New York, it is the voter um, and anyone who is outside of the traditional party structure, if you are on the candidate or campaign side. Mm. Um, and so for us, it has been a long-term priority to reform the governance structure at the state level of our boards of elections. Mm-hmm. The system is clearly broken. Yeah. Um, and it is a core priority for us to strip power away from political parties in terms of how our elections are administered. Um, because it doesn't work. It just yeah. doesn't work. And, you know, I think we are hopeful in 20, you know, looking ahead to our next state legislative session, right? Because that's where all these changes have to happen. Right. Is, you know, we have seen for New York, again, one of the lowest voter turnout states in the country. Yep. Exponential increases in vo- voter turnout. Still not great, but like, big increases for our city and state, um, voters are paying attention. Yeah. Voters are truly experiencing the the day-to-day frustrations and screw-ups that we see, like, you know, the absentee ballot debacle last week or two mm-hmm. weeks ago, I guess, at this point, um, that something isn't right and something is inherently not working and what are we going to do to fix it, right? Like Common Cause has been a longtime champion of voting rights and election reform. Two years ago, um, we were able to pass a bunch of like very basic pro-voter reforms that you see even in deep Republican states like early voting. Mm. It is insane mm-hmm. that New York had no early voting when 37 other states have early voting. Right. We had 15 hours to vote in this state. Right. And that was it. Like, and if you couldn't vote in that 15 hours, you didn't vote. But we now have nine days of early voting. And so these small pro-voter reforms, I think, are super important and will yield important results for us. But there is this other significant piece that is, like, generally out of sight for the average voter. Um, is there a push in Albany to 
professionalize the New York City Board of Elections or the New York Board of Elections in general? I mean? Yeah, I mean, to date, not really. You know, mm-hmm. the the problem is, um, and if you just sort of take a step back, and I, I say this from a nonpartisan lens, okay. is that there is no um, incentive for lawmakers to change a elections governance structure that has suited them well, right? Because mm. they all got voted in on it. And so there is a real lack of political interest um, to do that. Even but I from think, the, I'm sorry, uh, even from the sort of newer generation of, of uh, Democratic um, Assembly members and s- state senators who seem to be on the very progressive side, are they not talking about this either? Um, they may be having these conversations behind closed doors, Mm. uh, but it has not been a focus, a public focus, um, as far as I can recall. That's not to say that, you know, if a third party like Common Cause or our partners through the Let New York Vote Coalition Mm -hmm. made this a priority, they would jump on board um, but we're not hearing it organically, right? right. Uh, Liz Kruger is a longtime champion um, who is a state senator from uh, Manhattan. Mm-hmm. She has carried an election reform bill, but it's died in committee, right? right. So, like, I, I, I'm reluctant to take, like, very explicit shots at our current state assembly and senators. But, like, you know, if, if, if there was a real interest in getting this done, it would have gotten done. Right. Um, it, you shouldn't have to wait for like a voter uprising protest to demand, you know, safe, secure and well-functioning elections to do the right thing here. Like we know this is a problem. This yeah. has been a problem for decades. Like this is nothing new. Right. Um, but we are confident and, you know, well, maybe not confident, but we're certainly hopeful. <laughs> <laughs> we are certainly hopeful, but we are confident in the public outrage for sure about what's gone wrong in our elections and voting this year. Um, that that will translate into a real sincere desire to reform the Board of Elections at the state level, to Mm. make them more accountable to voters, right? It shouldn't be so crazy to ask for well-run elections. Um, So it's a little bit of a chicken and the egg thing, right? Like, we're still teasing this out, but it is absolutely going to be a priority for us next legislative session. And I think... You know, hopefully the November general will, you know, an early voting in October will go as smoothly as possible. But like, we all know that there's going to be screw ups. Yeah. We're just waiting to find out what screw ups there are. And how but, bad. Yeah. And how bad, um, you know, setting aside like the outcome of said election, we are really looking at this from a voter perspective. Mm-hmm. How easy was it for you to vote? Did your vote count? Do you have confidence that your vote was counted in mm. New York City and elsewhere? Um, there is this just like lingering mistrust in the board of elections to not get it right, particularly pronounced in New York city, but that's true statewide. Um, and we think that we will hopefully be able to harness both like the positive and the negative experiences this year to demand real change that will truly serve the interest of voters and not political parties. Yeah. Sarah Goff, I appreciate your time today. And, uh, I really think I'm so glad we got into what what really goes on, how the board is structured, and how that impacts voters. Um, if there's anything you wanted to leave voters with who might be listening, voters in New York, is there anything you'd love to just remind them to do? 
Yeah. I mean, well, first of all, it's always a pleasure talking. It's so great. Um, Thank you for having me. But I think, you know, as we approach the true start of voting in the, in the general, just a general plug, you know, there, you have three ways to vote this year. You can vote in person during early voting, which starts Saturday, October 24th. You can vote in person on election day, or you can vote absentee. And if you're going to vote absentee, it is a two-step process. You have to proactively request your absentee ballot and to not wait. The sooner right. you request your ballot, the sooner you get it, the sooner you can return it. If you don't have confidence or you're uncomfortable mailing your ballot, you can always drop it off at the Board of Elections or any early voting or election day poll site. We're trying to make this as easy as and, and you know comfortable process just given where we are in a global pandemic. Mm-hmm. But, you know... It, it, you have options and you should absolutely take advantage of one of them. Yeah. I I believe the deadline to request an absentee ballot is October 27th. Correct. And actually, if you do get this out, the voter registration deadline is tomorrow, October 9th. Okay. So if you haven't registered to vote, do it now. Very important. Tomorrow, Friday, October 9th. Oh yeah. I'm going to have to hustle this one out. It's October 8th today. Um, Okay, great. Um, And also go to your uh, local county election board website, go to vote.nyc if you're in New York City to make sure you know where your early voting place is and your regular voting place, November 3rd place is because they will be, they are likely to be different. They may be different. Yeah, more than likely. Absolutely. Okay. Sarah Goff, thank you again so much. Um, Please go check out Common Cause New York and see all the different things they are pushing for to make better elections, better government for us all. Uh, They are a really great organization. Um, Okay, good luck. Thank you. Okay, thanks so much for joining me on this episode of Strong Reception. I really appreciate you tuning in. Thanks for listening to my conversation with Sarah Goff. I thought she gave us some great tidbits on how to vote this election season and how to make sure your voice is heard in making improvements to our election system, especially here in New York. If you haven't already, please subscribe to this podcast, which you can do on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, uh, Spotify, wherever you get your pod stuff. If you're enjoying what you hear, uh, please give me a nice rating. I'd really appreciate it. But otherwise, please go vote and uh, hold tight, folks. We're all in this together and somehow we're going to get through it. Okay. Thanks for listening. Take care.